Hello and welcome to the Jabroni Show on CFRC 101.9 FM. And today, it's a nice day outside. I'm not sure how it's at in Kingston, but the the sun is shining around the corner. The third wave is rolling out here in Ontario, but also are the vaccines. It's a race to survive, uh, to survive and make it. But you know, I'm positive that hopefully we'll get through this. I mean, how's it going over there for you in Kingston, Evan? Yeah, I'm with you on the nice weather. It really, it's a, it's a big mood changer, especially on a Sunday like today. But yeah, no, just trying to survive. I am surviving. Hope that I'll continue surviving. Believe I will continue surviving. Um, NBA season is at a bit of a weird point. I, I like to say that often, but this feels this feels like almost like a dust is settled type of point. Um, there isn't that much stuff happening. We're seeing people in their new uniforms for the first time. Um, but like, it's not, it, we're not, it's a weird time. We're not close enough to the playoffs. So it's like a big race and seating matters, but it's also, it's also, it's kind of feels like a wait and see, especially because the March Madness is finishing up now. Last night's game was crazy. The Gonzaga, UCLA game. I hope you saw a bit of that. Caught the yeah, ending. Sorry? I mean, how could I not miss the ending there? That was kind of mad March Madness, if you will. It's in, yeah. It is April now, but still some March Madness going on. Yeah. I back how you, you you can't think of it this way, and you obviously can't reverse a call, but on Suggs's block and then full court transition pass to Timmy, like Suggs just hacked him. Do you know what I'm referring to? I mean, yeah, I'm not, I wasn't watching as closely, but at the end of those games, it's such a tough position to be a ref there. You want to let them play it out, but you also don't want to call the game. Yeah. I don't, I don't envy the ref in that situation. Yeah, I agree. It is, it is tough. I I guess they did a decent job. I like the charge call on Juzang to end the game. Uh, Other exciting news from this weekend, the Space Jam Tom, we've both been kind of anticipating Space Jam maybe more than the other normal 20, 21-year-olds. But um, Space Jam trailer just dropped. Uh, I didn't love the trailer, but I will say it did get me excited for the movie. I'm assuming you saw that. Yeah, of course I saw it. I mean, I'm I'm excited like the, about this like I'm 10 years younger. And mm-hmm. I still love the old Space Jam movie, even though, I mean... If I had to look at it with the critical eye, it is not the best movie. And there's <laughs> most there's definitely, some plot holes. There's some holes. There's some holes. But it's such an enjoyable cult film. And I'm really hoping this other uh, Space Jam ends up in that era. I mean, as far as incorporating the other players, I think I, we saw some Lillard action, some AD action, some Teresa action. I mean, a little bit of clay too. A little bit of clay. I'm going to be interested to see how kind of the animation feels out and I don't know. I'm I'm really looking forward to it, and I am bullish on it. I know I'm going to enjoy the movie, even if it sucks. So, yeah, I'm I'm kind of the same boat as you. I feel like I'll just be in such a good mood when I am watching it for the first time that, regardless of its quality, um, I won't be too disappointed. Hopefully, but I the reason I wasn't huge on the trailer was didn't it seem like one of the best parts of the first Space Jam is that it almost seemed oddly rooted in like real reality. Like whether it be Jordan's little baseball stint or when they actually like, you saw them getting the powers taken out of like Larry Johnson 
and Barkley and Bogues and um, like Sean Bradley. Yeah, Sean Bradley. Moore. But that, I kind of liked how they included almost like a real life NBA aspect to of it. This doesn't seem like they're focused as much on that. It seems like Warner Bros. They really pushed it from like a almost a studio for Warner Brothers perspective, which I'll be interested in to see. I hope they still kind of do the big focus on on basketball and kind of that s- sort of segment of pop culture rather no, than like- go going all in on the Looney Tunes. But um, hard not to be excited. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. I hope that they and I mean, like some of the favorite stuff in like looking back at the first Space Jam movie, some of my favorite moments is just the banter between him and Larry Bird while playing golf and uh-huh. just these little moments that true NBA fans really kind of enjoy the little interaction and timbits in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. And he has I don't I don't know if he deserves it. I've I've yet to see his opponents, but um the, the internet hasn't been too happy with LeBron's uh, a screenshot from the trailer. I'm, I'm sure you've seen it on social media is, is LeBron's recruiting team. And he has, he has Superman on the board. He has Gandalf on the board. He has King Kong. I believe he has one other, um, you know, gigantic, uh, larger than life type of figure from the Warner brothers universe. But uh, what, what, what do you think about LeBron catching heat? You think, you think that if, LeBron needs to do everything. If his son's life depends on him beating the the monsters, do you think he has the right to recruit Superman, Gandalf, King Kong? Do you think do you think he he's too far out of his uh, uh, reach and doing bad for the game, or or do you think he has the right to uh, you know make a big three? You know, I kind of I had this uh, similar back and forth with my dad uh, last evening, kind of about Michael versus MJ, as far as you know, LeBron gets to pick and choose his teammates. Michael kind of got his team and et cetera. And I feel like an important part of Space Jam 2, and if he is assembling a super team, is he's not just LeBron James, he's LeGM. And <laughs> I feel like it would be an inaccurate representation of LeBron's career if he wasn't trying to recruit all the superstars of the Looney Tunes era. I mean, we were texting and joking the other night as the our Toronto Raptors absolutely thrashed the Warriors that LeBron would be texting Curry being like, hey, tough game, like mm-hmm. you need a call or whatever. So I think it's only right that we've got LeBron recruiting not only the biggest and baddest superstars from the Looney Tune era, but some Looney Tune stars I'd like to see on the court. I mean, could King Kong and LeBron get to get along? Would that show that LeBron could deal with a teammate of a Dennis Rodman type personality? There's lots of unanswered questions that are going into this film. Yeah, and I, I don't know if Superman and LeBron could coexist on the court now that you bring it up. Um, yeah, it's it's just it's all it is is Warner Brothers trying to remain true to the LeBron and 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 his stature and all that. I I agree. I I don't mind him having recruiting the um the other players. Other than that, I know I can just picture in the first practice, like when Michael walks in, and the Looney Tunes are terrible in the first Space Jam. LeBron comes in, they're all terrible. The next day, they're they've gone and they're playing for Cartoon Network all of a sudden, and he's got like Ben Ten on his team. <laughs> oh, that would be hilarious. Uh, part maybe two B of this question: Do you think we'll see a Clutch Sports logo or a sig- symbol or insignia? anywhere on the Toon Squad jersey. 
oh, has, uh, is the jersey branding going to be clutch sports theme? I mean, I would yeah. love that. I think like a lot of people get upset with clutch in the way they kind of control the movement of superstars in the league and the level of influence they do have because of the stars they do have under contract. And like we're saying, if we're reflecting LeBron's career in a kind of cartoon, funny way, I'd love to see some sort of clutch representation in there. Yeah, maybe Rich Paul signs a Tweety Bird to a contract, something something out of that out of that realm. Um, I feel like we've ripped on LeBron's uh, <laughs> enough today. Although I again happy that Space Jam is coming up. Um, next thing I kind of wanted to get to is 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 on the topic of the season kind of winding down. And I feel like we know everything. Like there are no surprise teams anymore, and there are no like we know what teams are. Obviously, injuries hold back from that a bit. But I wanted to cover quickly. Last year, I remember telling you, I remember both of us saying that we were excited because for the first time since maybe like 2015, it felt like there was real. You really didn't know who was going to win the championship last year. And I know it was only between two teams, the Lakers and Clippers. At least that's what it felt like. Um, maybe someone could have thrown the Bucks in there, although I, I didn't see their championship possibilities being that high last year. Anyways, last year felt nice because it, it truly did feel like we didn't know who was going to win the championship going into the playoffs. This year, it's like the Lakers were, were fa- heavy favorites at the beginning of the season. I still think they should be favorites. But they've lost a lot, a lot, a lot of momentum with the injuries. And, I mean, given 80s injury history, I mean, I feel like LeBron will be back at 100%. But given 80s his, uh, injury history, we don't we don't know what he's going to look like in a couple weeks from now when I believe he returns. Um, but this year, it feels like Brooklyn is definitely a contender. The Clippers are also contenders just by proxy of having uh, Kawhi on their team. I mean, this is the best Phillies looked in years. I obviously have to mention Utah just because they're they're the best record wise, and even like a Milwaukee, Denver. And I won't get ahead of myself and say if there were maybe Miami or or Portland or the Mavericks in there, but it, it feels like there's three teams who almost have a really good chance of winning. And but then on top of that, there's another three teams who I wouldn't be surprised. If they won too, I just wanted to gauge. Do you think that the one the race is maybe this wide this year, and and two, who do you who do you like right now for to be in prime position to win it? No, that's a really good question. One name that I was surprised you didn't mention was the Phoenix Suns there, who are currently dominating the West mm-hmm. with the eight and two in their last ten and a five game win streak. But I'm, the yeah, teams- I'm I'm happy to touch on the Suns really quickly. I just feel like. I'm not down. If there's any time I wouldn't be down playing their success this season, it's now because at the beginning it felt a bit, not fluky, but they were winning games, close games and all that stuff. But now, honestly, I mean, Booker and Paul are playing really good together. My only thing is that it feels like the Phoenix has been like the only team other than Utah without major injury issues. Um, I just, they're they're not going to go through a team like, you know, Denver in the first round and beat them and then go through a team like the Clippers in the first, second round and beat them and then the Lakers in the third round. And then I just, I just, for kind of for the same reason, I don't want to consider Utah. I feel like I'm almost being polite by considering Utah because they, to me, feel like 
the Atlanta of of kind of the four years ago. Like, I just think there's no way LeBron doesn't beat that team in a seven-game series. But um, I think it's fair to mention Phoenix. I just, I think it's maybe a bit too much. No, I don't think you're completely off on that. And then if I was the Nuggets or the Blazers or even the Mavericks for that reason, I wouldn't be too scared about playing the Suns. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I think those teams will go into the games against the Suns feeling quite confident. Uh-huh. But as far as my kind of championship pick for this year at this moment, now that we've seen the trade deadline and the buyout market settle down, is the Lakers if they're healthy, to be honest. Mm-hmm. The, the healthy Lakers are just such a dominant force. They've added Andre Drummond, who can help fill in some time for AD and make up for some of Marc Gasol's minutes. Since, although I love Mark and I cannot say enough things, unfortunately, he's not the player he used to be as Father Time has caught up to him which is unfortunate to see, but it's just the arc of the NBA player's career. But with that being said, the size they have with LeBron, AD, KCP, and then the guard action with Janice Schroeder, who's been amazing this year. It's just, I don't see who's going to beat them in a seven-game series. With that being said, if somebody was, I think I'd want to pick the Brooklyn Nets. And as much, and if KD is going to be back on the court within the kind of next two weeks to a month of the reports have been saying we're really going to get to see what this team can offer and honestly by the end of the month if kd comes back they're playing at full power with their new super squad and they look unbelievable my opinion could shift but right now i feel like it would be silly if the lakers can get healthy that they wouldn't have the best chance at the championship Mm -hmm. i'm kind of with you on that one at this point i'm i think about the clippers and i i think it if anything just comes down to the the Rondo trade, and it's not about being uh, Rondo being not as good as Willie, Lou Williams or them missing Williams. I just think like the lack of direction. It, it feels like they're they're heading for the same place as they did last year. Um, again, I've I've been thinking to myself more and more about Paul George. Man, Paul George is just, like seriously underrated player. I I feel like he's been having a great season. Like. Again, we until we see in the playoffs, we're not going to care. And I just feel like they're kind of destined for that same sort of second round, disappointing series loss against whether like a like a Denver type um, team, honestly. So, like with that being said, in my own mind, I I can really only physically picture. I'm I'm with you. I think the Lakers have the number one shot coming out of the West. I just I I can't. Obviously, the Clippers have the best chance, in my opinion, just because Kawhi. But I really can't see Utah or Phoenix being any, any trouble to LeBron. And then, I mean, the more I think about it, the more I like Denver. But again, we should just... The the, the Lakers are on another level, rather. Um, but out of the East, kind of like you, Brooklyn's, Brooklyn's the only team I can really see beating the Lakers. But... Um, in a weird way, I could see Philadelphia beating Brooklyn because, man, Brooklyn does not have the size and Philadelphia can really slow the game down if they want to. And I I really, really don't like Milwaukee in the playoffs because I feel like I feel like they're the easiest team. They may be the easiest team in the NBA to get, game plan against for, for how good they are. Um, but, man, the... Milwaukee's looking like scary too. So I think my best 
if I were to say anything right now, I'd agree with you. I'd say Lakers. And if there's one team who can beat the Lakers, it would it would definitely be Brooklyn. I'm with you on that. But I also would not be shocked to see Milwaukee or Philadelphia come out of the East. And then we haven't mentioned them because I don't. They're not beating any team who comes out of the West. But um, I wanted to throw Miami in there again because I mean that's a that's a really good looking roster. And you know who knows they knock out Philadelphia and one of Brooklyn or Milwaukee has some injuries. Um, it, it, it could look similar to last year where Miami just has a super solid roster and plays the right way, squeaks through. I'm I'm curious too though. I, I really want I'm if I'm hoping for anything. I'm hoping that everyone gets healthy before the playoffs because I think I think this could be a really, really awesome playoffs in that respect. I think we missed it last year when Giannis got injured. I think the playoffs would have been much more interesting. We and also I, lost I, Joel, I mean, Simmons, Ben Simmons too for yeah, the 76ers. Right, exactly. Um, I'm hoping for a healthy playoffs and I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward. I also, I mean... What Portland's doing going in all offense, I don't think that's a terrible idea either. I wouldn't compare them to the Rockets teams who were going all, all in on offense years ago, but they're, in a weird way, they almost seem more dangerous going having committed totally to offense and not as much defense than kind of the past seasons when they were they were kind of had their foot, their toes in the water, but, but not fully dunked. So th- them too, the... Western Conference playoffs are going to be crazy. No, for sure. And I want to give a touch on Portland because I almost feel like Portland is the Raptors of the West. They have their guys. They don't necessarily have the best players, but they have great players. I'm not talking about the Raptors team this year, but Raptors teams of best past seasons. Mm-hmm. They do great in the regular season, but they just never have. They've always got to get through that LeBron, that Kawhi, any mm-hmm. of those superstar players that would most likely never go to a team like the Raptors or Portland if it's not for Masai finagling a great deal for us and I just always love to see those teams succeed and Dame is honestly one of the most followable leaders in the NBA if that makes any sense to you like I would follow Dame into anywhere this guy is ready to give us all every single game we see it he might be the most clutch player in the NBA if not the top five his swagger is unbelievable I mean Dame time is all the time for me. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'd honestly be really down for like a um I'd be down for Dame Clippers. I'm thinking I'm thinking of first round matchups now and it's so early. Like Portland could win their next game and move into fourth the fourth seed. And the Lakers can lose their next game and and move into the sixth seed. It's way too early to think. But the Eastern man, the Eastern Conference will also have some weird playoff matches I, I was upset today seeing that Gordon Hayward had gotten he's a I think he's out for four, the next four weeks I saw the report yeah, was so unfortunate for him he's had such a tough second half of his career with injuries yeah I, I was I was honestly sometimes I don't care too much about injuries especially earlier in the season but this one I don't know this one this one annoyed me um that kind of makes it yeah, the East, the beginning of the East playoffs will will not be great. Although I've been thinking of a next Brooklyn, excuse me, series for a while now, and I think that would be pretty cool. 
No, especially the swagger will get a C from the next. I think Tibbs has done such a great job leading them into finding their culture mm-hmm. that they might believe that they can actually beat the Brooklyn Nets. Like, I don't think they would roll over and kind of let it happen to them. They might think, oh, you have a big three, we've got a big five, which is ridiculous <laughs> to say, but I truly have, think that's what they need to believe. Yeah. Yeah, I other than that in the East though, I I don't I wouldn't say I'm I'm looking forward to anything. I think Philadelphia, Milwaukee. I think there's something we talk about like rivalries in this league, and it's safe to say that LeBron isn't. I mean, I'd be surprised if it felt if LeBron and KD ever kind of rekindled the small rivalry they had. They honestly didn't even have one. There's not a lot of rivalries in this league, partly because, you know, some of the top players just couldn't care less. I mean, Kawhi couldn't care less. Steph couldn't care less. For example, AD probably couldn't care less too. But um, it also feels like there aren't like any good, like butting heads, like mixes of like disagreement. I would really like to see an all out Philadelphia Milwaukee series where Embiid and Giannis really, really go at it. I think that could be a lot of fun. I think there's, there's an untapped rivalry there. I think you have a great point, but another rivalry that was very real and it's a bit less real this year is the Giannis Harden rivalry that uh, is well documented throughout, I mean, the All-Star draft last year and mm-hmm. quotes throughout the media. And, you know, it was Giannis's really going at him, which we didn't really expect from him at the time just because he was such a quiet superstar. Mm-hmm. That one feels a bit more... I... I like that rivalry in theory, but it almost seems more media induced than anything because it's like, it's like, I don't think Harden actually dislikes Giannis and vice versa. I don't think Giannis dislikes, I don't think he even cares about Harden to be honest, but I feel like it's kind of almost like a, like a media, not created, but, but pushed type of thing. Um, Harden being the player who is game is so, so, so based on skill and not who's around him. And then Giannis, you know, in a weird way, kind of being the opposite. Um, I think he's super skilled, but you can argue that his, you know, he's, like Harden said, I mean, all he has to do is run down the court and dunk the ball. And that takes extreme talent. There's only one person who can do it, really, and it's him. Um, But I think, yeah, that was just like, I don't think that was too much of a personal one. I think it was more of like, I don't know, environment created. But I think, I think, in terms of personal, I think the Embiid Giannis could be a lot of fun. Um, now that we're all, we just touched on the Giannis Harden thing really quickly, we were having this debate the other day, uh, me and some of my housemates, and it was kind of rooted in the like um, Bleacher Report. We talk about them a lot, but every once in a while, Bleacher Report will just throw up a, a ridiculous. Um, uh, like uh, top 20 NBA players of all time, like, and then add in current players with projections of like how their career will end or whatnot. And Giannis ends up really, really high on all these lists. And Harden ends up quite honestly, really, really low. It's usually Giannis ending up somewhere in the, in the 15 ish range and Harden ending up, you know, more in the forties or thirties with guys like Dwayne Wade and Allen Iverson. I'm happy standing James Harden. I think he's, I I love his play style to be honest. So I think that's one of the reasons I don't mind him as much, but I don't mind standing him as one of the best NBA players I've ever seen. But like one, I want to ask you 
is it maybe am, am I impartial to Harden or is Harden's career not like miles ahead of Giannis's and does Harden maybe not deserve enough credit for what he's done in the league? That's a great or, question. And, and I'll add a lot of beats that are we too high on Giannis for what he's done in the league so far? I think it's a great question because these are two superstars who haven't performed on the highest level yet. I think yeah. with Harden, a big kind of, I guess, ghost you could say hovering over his career is how terrible he has been in elimination situations when the pressure is really on him, when people look not to themselves anymore, but they look to him in these moments where the moment is bigger than most NBA players in the league. And the moment has been bigger than Harden time after time, unfortunately. And as like a Harden stan myself, I enjoy his game. I think he plays a fun game, especially in Brooklyn. I mean, it wasn't as fun to watch in Houston, but you can't help be impressed by it. But I just think back to all those series with Golden State where they were so close and just inches away and they miss all those three-pointers or Harden doesn't show up and he's just pretty much on the bench for the fourth quarter sulking. These are things that I don't see in Giannis as far as a budding superstar. Giannis is ready for these moments, but he hasn't in fully embraced them yet. He hasn't had the chance. He hasn't been tested the same amount of times Harden has. So his that's history. Where, sorry, I'm going to, that's where I see the fallacy though, because I, I, to me, it's like Harden's been always kind of like the second best, you know, uh, he's led his team to be being in the position to beat the team's best conference. And he, he hasn't been able to do that. I'll, I'm totally there with you. I mean, we can cite a lot of different interesting Harden playoff moments, but to me, it's like he gets his team there every single time. Giannis, Giannis doesn't make it past the second round. Like he's only been into the Eastern semi, and I, I know he's Giannis's playoff career is young. This season, he'll go into his sixth playoffs, and and he didn't have a great team till till seventeen, eighteen, honestly. But these past three seasons, and again, he has been injured. It feels like he hasn't he hasn't gotten them to the moment where he, he could fail and it would be a big deal. No, I think that's a completely fair point to make. And especially what adds another level to this is how different their games are. Like you said, mm-hmm. Giannis's game is based off an overwhelming amount of power, strength, finesse. There is skill, don't get me wrong. It takes skill to harness all those aspects that make Giannis who he is. Mm-hmm. But Harden's game is so pure it's relying on shooting and he well his size does help him the way he moves he can post people up he can back them down it's not as big of a factor to his game as it is to Giannis so we are examining almost two different philosophies to basketball here as well mhm yeah i just i don't know what it is man i i i just i i'm continuously disappointed by the harden I don't think it's Harden's Slender. I think Giannis really is truly something special because of what he honestly does on the defensive end additionally. But I just, I don't know. I That's that's what was bothering me. I feel like I just had to get, felt like I had to get that on my chest. Also, I don't remember if you remember his 2016 playoff run, but I mean, like that was insane. He basically took the Warriors, a really good Warriors team, to seven games without, I want to say without Paul. Um, 
And of course, there's a game this year where they actually almost beat them. Like even last year, I don't know if you remember. It feels like it felt like Harden was doing all he could, and then when the moment was on the line, he'd just give the ball to Westbrook. It felt like like even last year it wasn't his fault. But yeah, no, Harden Harden has, I guess, been he hasn't he hasn't done enough to deserve to be in the whole Katie, Kawhi, LeBron conversation for his like playoff performance. And I mean, I guess we can end off this topic like this do you think i mean harden's put himself into the conversation but do you think he deserves a spot in the mvp conversation this year yeah 100 percent. i think i think right now he's the pretty easily i mean we talked about it a couple weeks ago and you threw an Embiid, who i at the time did think was the second best candidate but he missed 10 games and the season of only 70 games and the top candidate in Jokic having not missed one. I, I think it's fair to, you know, slide Embiid into the kind of uh, a bit of the afterthought category in this respect. But to me, it's like, I mean, I'm looking on basketball for reference MVP award tracker, and this isn't how I dictate who I want or think should win MVP. But Jokic is at a 47.3 probability and Harden's at a 21.2. I think that's about right. I think Harden deserves to definitely be second and Jokic deserves one. I just, I just, yeah, I'm, there's no, hmm, but it, 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 I don't know. It feels like, it feels like Harden. I also like choosing this player based on who's actually the most viable to the team in a weird way. it, it, It kind of feels like Harden. It feels like, this is one of those years that if Harden was on Denver, they'd they'd be much better. If Harden, if Harden was on Milwaukee, even for Giannis, just swap them, they'd they'd be better. Harden just feels so good this year. I'm not sure why. I think it's because he's he's completely he's a point guard now. He was the shooting guard. Well, he was like he was the point guard on Houston. Let's not kid ourselves. But mm-hmm. he's a point guard who distributes now, and he recognizes the talent around him. Like I'm looking back at the 2016 NBA playoffs where they lost in five games to G state. And then game five, Harden put up a very, very promising 35, but the guys around him were, we had Dwight Howard putting up eight points. We had Trevor Ariza scoring a big two. We had Patrick Beverly scoring a two points and yeah. Tomantes med. I'm going to butcher this cause I can't Demont I'm not even going to try it, but their starting center in that game had only seven points and off the bench. They had Michael Beasley with 11. I mean, he didn't really have anybody to look to at that point Mm -hmm. to kind of share that load or somebody he can see as an equal or I think maybe in KD's case as a superior player. Mm -hmm. Also kind of interesting, Harden's playing 38 minutes a game this year, which is is high. I mean, most superstars, Jokic is in 35.6 range. Lillard's in the same range. Um, most most superstars hover around 35, 36. He's taking less shots than a lot of other guys in the league. Like, Jokic is a full shot ahead of him. Giannis is a full field goal attempt ahead of him. Lillard's three field goal attempts ahead of him. Kawhi, LeBron, Moore. Doncic is four ahead of him. Mitchell's even two ahead of him. So, yeah, I think that may, like you were just saying, him playing more of that point guard role on his his... Assists, he's averaging 11.1 assists a game. Um, 
which is quite honestly really high. I'm going to look for his. I think I think that could be anyways part of the reason though why I'm maybe more his assist percentage is surprisingly for only 43.4 when I say only it's as this is astronomically high but 43.4% in Houston it was usually hovering around a bit higher but that's that's crazy high um he's not really turning the ball over that much and his usage is 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 down from Houston too like his usage this year is 28.9% in Brooklyn. In 28-19, this is actually crazy. In Houston, it was 40%. So I think, it, it, like you said, maybe it is the play style that's kind of like, um, you know, changed a bit of the narrative behind him being MVP and why people are kind of going for it this year. No, and I think if the Houston stuff didn't happen at the start of the year, I think he might even be the clear favorite at this point because of the injuries we've seen to Joel and LeBron. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And one Um, point I wanted to actually touch on as far as kind of the player movement in the league and how play styles change is I wanted to quickly talk about the JJ Redick trade to Dallas. mm -hmm. Well, it, it was a very minor trade on the trade deadline as far as player movement goes. JJ had a really interesting quote on his podcast this week, kind of about, how the front office at New Orleans assured him that he would, his family lives in Brooklyn. And in the past years, he'd fly back in the past years when he was at New Orleans, he'd fly back to see them. They would fly down for the weekend, but because of the COVID restrictions, his family can't fly down because then his kids would have to quarantine before they go back to school or he can't go uh, see them because of the uh, restrictions around him in the NBA. And it seemed like he was really having a tough time in New Orleans. And he apparently was told by the front office that, he would either be traded to like a Brooklyn, Philly, one of those teams over there, or get bought out. And he seemed quite disgruntled by the fact that, I mean, he was traded to the Dallas Mavericks, which is farther away than from his family where he is right now. While he was assuring that it had nothing to do with Dallas and he's extremely excited to play on Mark Cuban's teams, which is historically one of the best run teams in the NBA, and play with another exciting young talent like Luka Doncic, do you think if a GM makes his word like that to a player that he needs to uphold it, or does his word always lie with the franchise and doing what's best for it? Um, I think the final, yeah, I think a couple things are worth saying. Um, because JJ did mention in the thing he goes, no agent is going to trust that front office again was kind of his leaving note kind of little dig at them. And people, people generally are fans of David Griffin, correct? David yeah, Griffin, I mean, from what I've heard, good. I listened to another podcast with Raja Bell today, and he was he worked with David Griffin in Cleveland, and he was essentially saying, I mean, JJ, he could have stayed in Philadelphia, but he decided to take the bag, go to the baggage claim, and make all his money in New Orleans. He did that was a business decision for him, and well, of course, he couldn't foresee the pandemic and that Mm -hmm. fully changed his plans and it changed for everybody. I mean, if he wanted to be closer to his family, he could have re-signed in Philadelphia is essentially what he was saying. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's so many things that go into this and like, like, you know, that, um, I feel like the, the final, the final word belongs to the team. Like past, Past the actual players themselves, their contracts itself are like just like the 
a concept of a contract, regardless of what player whose name is that contract, and like in a pick or a pick swap, that's that's an asset. Like at the end of the day, all GMs and front offices are doing are are selecting players with their assets and choosing how to designate their money in a competitive market. Like so, the the final say always does go to the GM. But like you're saying, like you were talking about how it's kind of like JJ, I'm JJ's like one of the most respectable NBA players. And I'm sure he didn't air out, you know, the situation too bad. And he didn't, he didn't speak too negatively about the Pelicans offense. No, absolutely not. He spoke like, yeah, his whole thing was like, it's like, he understands that it is in a business and he even admits himself that he was being a bit naive thinking that as like a 15 year vet, he'd kind of have this little bit of control over what's going to happen to him, this trade deadline. And he kind of does look back and realize now that maybe he shouldn't have had that trust within the front office and the trust in his time in the league and kind of his place in the league, which I think is completely fair. But if you're, maybe it speaks to his like trust, if that makes any sense. I mean, I don't know what the conversations he was having, but he did mention that none of the conversations with Griffith was through his agent. It was all through him. And he seemed like this was not only like a basketball agreement. This was agreement between like two people. And it was, there was a bit more than basketball. It was about his family trying to spend, I think for him, he made it more, it became a more personal thing than a business thing. Mm. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I would just, where I was going to finish was I would just, think that the two factors that really should go into maybe not getting not treating a guy i mean it's not about unfairly but not letting a person not being kind of like mutual partners within like the transaction process would be and this uh, we can go back to the, the the DeRozan thing but i think two things should kind of be in account I don't think any like written or verbal agreement is that important i think it's what has that player done for that franchise how long has he been there and and how enmeshed in their culture is he and honestly how old that player is because as you get older i mean your contract flexibility and and that changes and you only have a certain amount of years left so you want to take advantage of that so i think i think if jj had spent you know a couple more years on the pelicans and said okay i'll i'm happy rebuilding with you or maybe this year he said i'll take a bit of a contract cut or i'll help recruit guys to the team plus he's that old i think the story changes so like to this point like that's why the DeRozan trade it, it was totally not the right thing to do but like i said it's everyone's an asset at the end of the day like it was the right thing to do we got good assets for it back whatever but i don't think i don't think i feel like you have to check off both of the boxes to be old or at least a veteran and having been committed to that team so i don't really think jj checked off the first one so i think i think the pelicans could could have done what they wanted to me the bigger deal is like in this era where things and like perceptions of of franchises and front offices change so fast like i'd give you um oh we can look at both new york teams like brooklyn four years ago was a mess no one wanted to go there and suddenly it got this, um, and it, it wasn't like the individual event of Katie or Kyrie signing there or, or Marks becoming 
the the um the GM or Kenny Atkinson doing a great job of you know turning the team around about three years ago that D'Angelo Russell team it was just like a a total culture shift but it happened in a short time and you could I mean we see the positive results that that culture shift incurred I mean Harden wants to be there Durant wants to all these players want to be there Aldridge and Blake are signing there in a in a buyout market and then at the same time like the Knicks like it feels like the past two years, three years, four years, the Knicks have had absolutely zero shot in the free agency because they weren't doing anything to do deserve free agents. Like their coaching was a mess, their front office was a mess. They didn't they didn't know what they wanted to do, they didn't know which players they wanted to you know really invest in. Like now that Leon Rose is is in the helm, and then Thibodeau at least knows what direction he wants to you know take the team. And it feels like it feels like this year, if there was a free agent. Um, as a free agent, like that seems like a much more of a popular destination. So going all the way back around when, you know, an older player like JJ Redick and says that about, you know, a team's front office, like I, I, I genuinely think that does slightly harm the team, whether like we know it or not. I, I don't think it will necessarily catapult into other players saying something bad about them. But like in this age where I feel like, culture is so important and it shifts so fast and players opinions of things and really fans and media's opinion of things change so fast i think i think maintaining a good um good branding and and good optics is really important i I think i think the raptors definitely made it through the whole the whole uh lowry and DeRozan not being happy and that's partly due just because you know how great messiah is but and winning I, I heals all. Yeah, exactly. But ex- like you said, like uh, I don't. Not every team can come back from that. So I think from that perspective, I think it's like for the team getting rid of JJ Redick, and especially because you know you're not getting rid of. They didn't get rid of JJ Redick for a prospect and a first round pick. They got rid of him for a second round, or they got rid of him just so he could spend 20 games there and do something else. Um, I think you have to be careful because. Um. You know that that I feel like it can bite you in in the butt in kind of a weird un un indirect way. That's what I'd say about that mostly. No, I totally agree, and I think both parties are both like in the right, if that makes sense. Like, I agree. I understand why JJ Reddick would be upset given his position, and I think if I was in his position and I truly trusted this person when they gave me their word and believed that their word was true, and believed that I was going to be seeing my family, and he has two young sons, I couldn't imagine what that is like. I, although he is in a very privileged position to be a multi-million-dollar NBA player, I mean, family family over money, of course, and that time yeah. he's never going to get back. So I I understand why he's upset and i understand why david griffith had to break his word i mean although like you said the hall wasn't huge he has to do what's best for the franchise at the end of the day and he has to do what's best not for the current players but for the future of the team and the organization so in that case i think it would have just been better if david was forthright he goes jj you know i want to get you to the situation you want to be but if i got to be completely honest I got to prioritize my job safety. I got to prioritize this franchise and I've got to, at the end of the day, I'm going to do what puts us in the best position to win. And I feel like if that was the case, JJ Reddick would have respected it more and would have never made that comment. 
like you said, and I do believe that it can sit in the back of the heads of maybe future veterans who would want to sign there and be around Zion to kind of help with that program. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, yeah. I feel like there's not that much worth going into it, but yeah, it's, it's like out of all the player empowerment um, kind of stuff. And we've seen how much power players have in this league now. Like that's one of the more interesting ones, like whether they've kind of incurred so much power that they should be the only ones who decide when or if or where they get traded to. Because I think if there's, if there's anyone that I feel like has gone a bit too far, like Houston should have just traded Harden where he didn't want to be traded and gotten the bigger package. Like, you know, we see, we already see that biting them in the butt. Like they got basically nothing for Harden because they got forced to trade him to Brooklyn. I think, I think teams should not be forced to trade. You know, if if a player wants to trade, then I don't I don't think they should also get say over where they're traded. But there are there are sticky situations. I mean, and that's why you do have the uh, no trade no trade clause in your contract for some of those bigger players or limited. Yeah trading lists and i guess if we look at some of the other players who are under the same agent as jj reddick as far as upcoming free agency it's really not the biggest there's nobody who's going to immediately affect them like paul george uh d'angelo russell julius randall gary harris trevor ariza rodney hood jacob purdle so there's not a huge superstar that they're going to miss out of because of this but agents talk so i think we can leave it at the fact that it definitely could have been handled better by the Pelicans. And unfortunately, JJ might have put too much trust into an organization that doesn't have his best interests at heart. Yeah, I think that's a good way of summing it up. And I think moving on to some of the things where we do have the best interests at heart is picking kind of our favorite NBA jersey numbers whether that be a moment behind the number, a player who wore it, a gallery of players who wore it, or just a number that speaks to you. That's where yeah. we're going to look for our window of the week this week. Yeah, some some numbers look good on an NBA court, and I hope I won't jinx any of your picks, and some don't. Like, the number eight just... It, and I love Deron Williams as much as the next guy. Number eight just doesn't look good on the NBA court. Um, and vice versa, there's some numbers that look really good on the NBA court. Uh it doesn't really matter who goes first or second, but any preference? I'll let you go first on this one. I think I've led off the past two. Okay. So this one was tough. I mean, immediately, naturally, you go to 23. I'm going to skip out on 23 for now. Honestly, because I think the number 30, like 33 is, I mean, between the players who have worn it and the look, the old jersey lettering of the 33 like the old lakers lettering or the old celtics lettering looks amazing so guys like kareem larry bird patrick ewing um gasol grant hill alonzo morning scotty pippen david thompson 33 kind of ruled the 80s and 90s uh whereas 32 kind of ruled almost the 2000s but I, i just like 33 man it looks good i'm going i'm going there first and the player pool you can't really miss on that either no, I think that's a can't-miss pick. And it's funny that you select 32 because that's where I'm going with this pick. And I know 23 and Michael Jordan and LeBron and all that, but if you've, if you've listened to any of our past windows of the week, 
we don't necessarily go for those big picks right mm-hmm. off the bat. And we do thirty two worn by magic, calls. worn by Kevin McHale is just an iconic number um, beyond Charles Barkley, Julius Irving, Jason Kidd, Jerry Lucas, Ralph Simpson, Amari Stoudemire, Lenny Wilkins, and now currently Carl Anthony Town. And then as well, uh, Carl Malone, Shaquille, Bill Walton. And somebody who I really wanted to kind of emphasize with this number, who for historic reasons, just because of how long ago he played the game, who doesn't really get any talk is Wayne Embry who um, is known to this day as one of the best leaders the NBA ever had. So I want to give some love to 32 here. 32 deserves some love. I'm glad you gave it some. And with my next pick, I'm going to go with my personal favorite number. While it doesn't have the same sort of history as many numbers in the NBA, to be completely honest, I'm going to go with number 77. It's been rocked. It's currently rocked by one of the most exciting young players in the league. So we might see some more 77s popping up in the future, some Luka Doncic uh, fans and followers. But also we've seen some other fun kind of players who has come through our organization, the Raptors, like Andre Bargnani wore it when he went to the Knicks. Damari Carroll wore it when he went to the Spurs. One of these players necessarily stick out. I wanted to give some love to my favorite number. Yeah, I, you know, I, I mean, I don't think 77 is a great look on the court. Um, if I remember correctly, George Mersan, the 77 guy on the Bullets, he did, al- yep. also wore it. That's, I think, what I remember it from the best. But I do like a good European number. Like some numbers just feel European. That's kind of one of them. It is. It's one that feels We've European. got Ilya Sovo, we got George, we got Luca. Bargiani, yeah, Sasha Pavlovich, Vladimir Redmanovich. I'm I'm always down for a good European number, and I think I think 77 definitely fits that quota. Perfect. I'm going. I didn't know if you're going to be on board with that one, but at least I see I have some semi support here. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I'm yeah. Um, hmm. Next pick. So there's three major, major numbers left on the board. I should definitely take one of them. I'm going to pass on 34 because I quite honestly just don't love the players who wore it. Um, Again, I'm going to pass on 23. I'm going to go for 21. KG, Duncan, Embiid, Wilkins. Again, I think it's, like I just said, there's there's some European numbers. And I think 21 to me is almost like a big man number. Um, I can't think of that many other players who wore it, but I, yeah, it just looks good on an NBA jersey, and it's like it's almost like a strong number. I find like the players who wear it exude strength in a really weird way. I mean, Aldridge, Aldridge is another one. Funny enough, Beverly wears it. Jimmy Butler wears it. Just a bunch of you know. I'm confident in the players who wear 21 for some reason. Um, that's my explanation. No, and I think some other you got Vladdy Divac in there, Dominique as well. It's a good one, yeah. Great pick. Is uh, it back to me or you got one more here? I think I got one more in me. Um we go I went with two good numbers. I'm gonna go with a number I actually like. I really like the number five on a basketball court, and some cool guys have worn it too. I think there's something I like I don't always like the single number on a jersey just because like it looks odd centered and sometimes I like having two there. Like in, in baseball I really don't like the two I don't like the one number on the jersey, but I kind of enjoy it 
in basketball to a degree and in five um five is kind of the perfect example of that i think it lines up great I, I think the first ever sports jersey i ever had was a jason kid number five uh nets jersey so i kind of i kind of plead your legends to number five other than that though jr smith jalen rose robert ori darren fox tj ford lou dort bruno caboclo excuse me bill walton some some good characters in there. <laughs> i like the bruno mention in there felt necessary give him some love and just for the fun of it i'm gonna not go to 23 right off the bat here and i'm gonna go with another number that i think just looks crisp on jerseys and then has been worn by nba players who exude nba characteristics that i love and that's number 41 most notably worn by dirk nowitzki i feel like that speaks for itself as far as dirk yeah, don't and sleep on Glenn Rice. Glenn Rice. And then the kind of sleeper pick here going in the similar range as my Wayne Embry pick is uh, Wes Unseld, who's also oh, whose like nickname that. is uh, Wes Unselfish, who's a, who was a Bullets player way back in the day. I like that. I feel like I like other – I think Olenek wore 41 for a while. I really like – 41 does look good, actually, now that I think about it. It looks good on big man again. Yeah, another big man number. Glenn Rice brought it to the guard position, but – with Dirk and Wes, I mean, it's hard to go wrong with a couple names like that lined up. Mm-hmm. And with my final pick, I want to highlight 23. Well, it is LeBron and Michael's number and now Anthony Davis. It's hard to ignore, but at the same time, I didn't want to pick it. Because in this one of the, another sport I'm highly uh, fascinated into is hockey, With where once Gretzky wore 99 and kind of created the legend around that number, it's an unspoken, well, it is a spoken rule in the league that you don't wear 99. And you kind of build your legacy on your own number. And I, I understand that players want to wear 23 because they loved Michael so much and everybody does. But it's almost like in my head, it's like, come on, build your own legacy on your own number. Pick a number that speaks to you. Don't pick the number that spoke to you, who spoke, who spoke to who spoke to you, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I want I, people to define their own legacy. I want to be able to have these less worn numbers like Dirk wearing 41 with him and Wes Unseld instead of a slew of like Draymond, LeBron, Michael, I mean, Lou Williams too, Anthony Davis, who all wore 23. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that. Um, I think one of the funniest insults I've ever heard was someone was, someone was bickering at Draymond saying he's not good enough to wear 23. But um, yeah, I, 23 is one of those numbers that is cool when the person's good, but I could see less 23s in the NBA and be happy, kind of like what you were saying. I wouldn't want to see less. I'd want to see none. (laughs) (laughs) That too. I I think that when there is a player as great as Michael and as great as LeBron, I mean, LeBron also wore six and whatever, but when you see a player that great, I kind of think their legacy is tied to that number. And of well, the numbers aren't like some numbers are retired. And I just, I don't know. I think it should be almost like an unspoken rule that when somebody's the goat that you don't wear their number, that's their number. Yeah. I'm kind of with you on that. I'm, I'm, I'm upset that LeBron, I'm always kind of a bit upset that LeBron went back to 23, to be honest. Me too. Me too. Um, and to with that all- being, Oh yeah, go ahead. I'll round it out. I'll, I'm I'm choosing number seven. Lowry, Mello, Dragic, Justice Winslow, Rondo for a bit, Joe Johnson. It's a good number. I know no, it's solid. 
yeah, our times ended, but felt like I had to get that in quickly. No, I'm I'm glad you cut me off there for that one. I mean, I've got my Lowry jersey right in front of me right now. Seven's just one of those numbers that doesn't look good, just great on an NBA jersey, but can look great on any other jersey. And with that being said, I hope all of you have a great morning. You are listening to CFRC 101.9, and we're checking out. And you're listening to JB on CFRC 101.9 FM. Hello, I'm Tamara Cicerella, a counselor serving area residents who live with addictions or mental health concerns. Deeply committed workers like me assist people in reaching their recovery goals. On April 1st, Addictions and Mental Health Services in Kingston and Frontenac joins Lennox and Addicton in offering confidential quality services. Addictions Mental Health Services, Kingston, Frontenac, Lennox, and Addington is committed to providing the best possible services to all who need it. For more information in Kingston and Frontenac, call 613-544-1356 or in Lennox and Addington, 613-354-7388.